be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm Dan Cottrell, your host for this evening, and I'm delighted to have with us this evening as well, Andy Stevens. So welcome along, Andy. Good evening, Dan. Thanks for having me. That's okay. My pleasure. Uh, I'm going to fire over some nice, cuddly, lovely, comfortable questions, and then maybe fire in a few nasty ones as well. Well, not nasty, but ones to challenge you. So I hope you don't mind those coming Very happy. Very happy with the challenge. All right, good. Well, uh, we'll see by the end where you're still happy with each other. <laughs> so I, I'm glad I've got Andy on board tonight because uh, a few technical difficulties and a few hiccups, but we're here now. So, uh, Andy, just tell us a little bit about your background because you're heavily involved with grassroots coaching in various different guises and various different hats. So over to you. Uh, thanks, Dan. Uh, I came into coaching um seven years ago now when we were trying to get our, my young son into as many different sports as possible and one Sunday morning stood watching him play I think it was about under fours actually rugby at the time and I was absolutely freezing cold I could feel the damp coming up my legs and when the coaches looked to the audience and said is there a parent that wouldn't mind helping and my dear wife put her hand in the small of my back and kind of volunteered me and well, that's, the, fir- that's really. the first time. <laughs> the first time I've heard you being someone being pushed forward. So this uh, this must be marked off as a first. I'm not sure. Uh, have you well, heard any other coaches have been literally pushed forward by their wives? Uh, the, I can think of four that have been literally pushed forward by my wife. Uh, right. Okay. So <laughs> she's a very good. <laughs> she's a very good volunteer recruiter. Should we say? <laughs> Nobody stands near her anymore because they'll get a job. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. So I so I ended up then so. I mean, I've got a lot of experience in other sports. I mean, obviously, I played rugby years ago. Uh, volleyball was my sport. I played at quite a high level in the UK. Um, never coached rugby before. And suddenly I was kind of, it turns out that the coaches that were running the under sixes at the time hadn't seen their sons play for a few years because their sons had gone at the age groups that they hadn't. So would I mind actually taking over? And suddenly there's this big wall staring at me of how, how do I coach rugby? What do I do? So I got myself on some courses found out in my typical style that I just want to know as much as I possibly can. And then that involved me getting my level one, uh, doing some more um, CPDs, the, uh, professional development modules, and sort of building up my knowledge and my skills. Uh, eventually, we started to look at, well, how can we work that across the rest of the group, rest of the club, which saw me then move across into the club coaching coordinator role. And so I could then sort of try and say, well, guys, if you want to work with under 10s, then really you should have this, this, this and this. And it just kind of snowballed from there, really. So I'm also academy chair now as well uh, at Ellingham and Ringwood. So, yeah, there's quite a few hats that I wear on a regular basis. But but the nice thing is my primary role, my primary aim is to, I used to coach the kids, but it's also to share that knowledge and experience with other coaches and try and help them as much as I possibly can so it's better for the kids at the end of the day they'll get a much better experience so that experience is uh, vital um, and you've you've built up that experience so looking back on say your level one course or some of those early CPDs what would you suggest to a coach who's just coming in to in their in their approach would you have changed your approach um, looking back 
I don't think so. I mean, we, we jumped in a couple of us jumped straight onto the, the rugby ready CPD, which was really good because it's, it's not only gets you off the ground with the coaching knowledge, but it's also more of how to coach as the most to as much as what to coach. So that, that was quite a good, um, a, a grinder for us. So just going back to the how to coach, what in particular did you think, all right, that's, that's just different from what I expected or I was doing that before, but I want to do a little bit more of that now. It's just the the elements of um, getting in there and uh, not focusing too much on the technique, but more about the language and the way you, you, you deal with the players and the deal with the children um, and not having the set role of, right, today I am going to teach you this because they're not always going to listen to that. So it's kind of going into it with, a, especially on the level one as well, sort of developing a session plan and as well as having the ideas of how you can, you know, if the kids are getting it, how you can push them on and, and, and sort of challenge them a bit more. But also if they're not getting it, what do you do then? You step back and simplify it all. So you're still moving towards the aim of the session, but the kids are still enjoying it, which is a really important bit. And that was my biggest takeaway myself, um, particularly on my level one, was it's about it's not about me as a coach. It's about me facilitating the session for the kids to enjoy themselves. And I think as soon as you kind of get that mentality, then it just makes the whole coaching process so much simpler. So I'm interested in what you're saying about language. Uh, and so obviously that was a bit of a challenge for you or something you had to think about a little bit more. What what words, what expressions were you starting to use more of and which ones were you starting to lose, use a lot less of? Well, I think, I mean, sort of looking at, if you, if you listen to a lot of the language around the, the coaching at, at the moment, sort of currently people are talking sort of lots of words of um, ecological approaches and methodologies and pedagogy and non-linear and all these kind of things. So if you'd said that to me on my rugby ready, I probably would have said, okay, this isn't for me, put my keys in the car and probably would have driven home. Um, to me, it was more about, it was just breaking it down to the basic the real nuts and bolts of just being completely open, completely sensible language, not using any kind of complicated words. And most of the coaching actually through demonstration. So less talking, more doing. Right. So uh, one of the areas which uh, coaches sometimes struggle with is the demonstration. And there are different approaches. Do you show or do you get the kids to show? What, what is your view and has it changed or are there is there more than one oh, approach? It, yeah, it, it, it's I mean, there's, there's more than one approach. I mean, obviously, the, it all comes down to to knowing your kids, knowing what they're capable of. And if it's something completely new that they've never, ever seen before, then I may demonstrate with another coach. So it's coach on coach demonstration so they can actually see it. I think they quite like to see the coaches have a go at each other as well now and then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially if it involves a big tackle. Um, yeah. So that's good. But then very often it, it's sort of talk to the kids and walk them through I mean, the tackle. When we get a new player, I mean, literally walk them through step by step, you know, the actual process of getting the shoulder in the right place, getting the head in the right place, getting their arms in the right place and doing it step by step. So slowly, slowly, slowly until they kind of start to get it. And then they can just work it up from there themselves. And but sometimes you need to show them. Sometimes you can just say, how do you think we can do this? It, there's different approaches. Again, it's all about knowing your kids and, and, and what they react to the best, really. Yeah. And going back again to another point you made about uh, it's all about the kids and creating challenges for them. One of the questions I was going to ask you is that you want to try and encourage the players to come back again and they'll come back if they feel it's something worthwhile, but they've enjoyed it. So sometimes we talk about fun and uh, is there a danger that 
fun training sessions can become meaningless because the kids don't know when to stop being silly yeah that's um it's a fine line because depends on how you term fun fun doesn't have to be silly fun doesn't have to be messing about um we did once have a, a famous floss off between coaches to decide yeah. who started a game um but that was me at the center of the fun the kids laughed at it we all had a good time but the session could be fun but by fun i mean engaging so they want to do it they want to enjoy it they want to be part of it they want to take it a step further um but it doesn't necessarily have to slip towards silly because the kids if they if they're if they're part of the team and they want to be part of the team and they're enjoying the time with their teammates then they're going to want to do it probably better than their teammate so they're not going to mess about quite so much so it's that balance i know what you're saying sometimes people do worry that as soon as you say are we going to do a fun session for the kids they think you're going to wear a red nose and a curly wig and (laughs) run around with big floppy feet on but you know it's all about engaging making sure the kids are enjoying themselves uh, and they are having fun through playing an engaging game of rugby. So a couple of things come out of what you've just said. First of all, um, I'd, I'd like to know what engaged looks like. Um, so that's going to be the, my first question. Okay. And But the second one is going to come after that is when do players start to really, truly identify with being part of a team as opposed to turning up and playing with their mates. And uh, well, I'll develop that team question in a moment. So what does engage look like? So um, I want um, a coach to watch a session that you're doing and they can see, right, that is why the kids have been engaged. Um, I think a there's a smile on the face. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no kids. There's no kids stood still. They're all taking part. Um, if a kid stood still, not taking part in what you're doing, then he's not engaged or she's not engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's very much a case that they're all active, they're all involved, they're all part of it, which kind of leads into the, the team side of it as well. Um, if, they're, if they're not engaged, they're not having fun, then you know, they're going to be looking for worms to kick and <laughs> mud balls to make and things like that. And it's, uh, um, If they are enjoying themselves and are having fun with their teammates, then they do want to be part of the team because that's who they start to associate having fun and engaging sessions with so that often means that we play a lot of games with them and uh, that we we create competitions around that is there a is there a time uh, when we've got to drill the players so for instance you said very much um, that a new player would come along and they would be walking through a tackling exercise mm-hmm. would you see you doing that with maybe a group of 10 12 players walking through something yeah we, we, we would I mean, sometimes if it's a new player, then we might even just walk everybody through the tackle again. Because even, I mean, I'm, Matthew's now in under 10s, so we still would spend 10 minutes a week on the tackle um, just to make sure that they, you know, the, the automatic reaction is to get the head in the right place, get the shoulder in the right place, and go through all this kind of motion. So if you take a new player and you mix them straight into that, you have a chat with them, have a chat with them with their parents, say, look, okay, this is what we're going to do. It's not always going to look like rugby, but what we're doing is the aim is to move towards playing as a a team sport of rugby. And then they're going to understand what's expected, not what's expected of them, but what they're going to be doing. Um, But then as soon as they're in there, they're automatically part of the team because I haven't got, Johnny's not stood over on the side with another kid pushing them over in the grass. (laughs) He's straight away in there amongst everything. So he's enjoying himself. I think it's that it's that balance of it's the the deliberate play against the deliberate practice. 
So sometimes you can condition a game. Um, for example, if you, you know, if you're trying to get them to identify space, there's certain things you can do to get them to spot the space to attack. But then other times you just really do just need to nitty gritty. Okay, this is the ruck. This is how you get into it. Get yourself in the right position and sort of talk them through it. Then let them have a go at it. Then go back into the game situation. And when these new players arrive, mm-hmm. uh, let's say uh, they've arrived sometime in January. They've decided after Christmas uh, that they want to take up rugby. How long, in your experience, before you put the average player into proper contact in a game or you put them into matches? What, what's been your approach on that? Well, that again, it comes down to the player, really, because some, some children pick it up really quickly. Some are dead keen to get in there and have a go. Um, some still shy away from contact. It's it's putting them in the scenario of trying to encourage them, trying to keep them engaged. Uh, it's things, I mean, some of the kids, they're a bit worried about if they get the ball and I'm going to run forward, there's lots of people sitting in front of me. Do you do something simple like give them a superpower that they can't be tackled for three seconds when they get the ball? Straight away, they're going to start to run forward and make the most of those three seconds. They're going to try and get through the defensive line before they can be tackled. So you can kind of work on it that way as well. But generally, I mean, I've been happy for kids to come in the very first session and they're playing the contact game at the end of that session. Because we can just manipulate it. We can say, okay, if you're a little bit worried about it, hold back, go with Johnny, go with Billy, try and be a a partner to them, try and help them slow somebody down. Let them just wrap tackle so you just have to get hold. Talk to the other players to say, Billy's first week, he's a little bit nervous, can we just wrap tackle? And, and the kids understand that and they appreciate the fact that they were kind of in that position once themselves. Right. So I really, what I really like there is that uh, you're not telling them to complete the full skill. You're you're picking out parts which they can complete at this stage. And yeah. then that gives them that gives them some idea of uh, success and then they can build on it. I mean, they might do more. They might actually uh, put the player on the ground. But if they can make the wrap, the grab. Then they've uh, they've got some they've got some benefit out of it. So now now just moving moving over to the team aspect, um, there is an argument that uh, some coaches work so hard at being a team member and it's all about thumping your chest and saying you know we'll play for the the blues and blacks and uh, we'll you never never be uh, our line will never be breached and all those sorts of Henry V Shakespeare type <laughs> scenarios and yet for a ten year old they're not necessarily identifying with that. They just want to play a bit and be with their mates. They're not going to be crying when the national anthem comes up. <laughs> what, what is, is, that's my experience of it. You're, you're at, the, uh, at the sharp end now with under 10s. Is that, uh, is that right? Is that wrong? Is there a, a middle ground? I, I think there's, there's a middle ground. I mean, we're all, we're not, like my aim is, it's the whole the culture side of things, and I mean, Pat Lamb, Rob Baxter, uh, Stuart Lancaster, people like that. They sort of inspire the the development of the culture, which then bonds the team together, so you all perform together. I think that's that's huge. Um, so we try and take that into a lesser effect with obviously with the under tens, um, but they do because they're all treated equally. We don't we don't have stars, we don't have newbies, we don't have people who aren't skillful. We have a team, we have a squad, and they play together. For example, if we go, when we go to, when we know the festival dates, the, the festivals are going to enter, I don't sit there and think, right, I'm going to put Johnny, Billy, Freddie, 
or the best players in, I'm just going to say, right, who would like to go to this festival? Who would like to go to that festival? And the parents come back and that's how we pick the team. So straight away, there's no pressure on the parents to think, oh, my John is not good enough to be in the team. They know they can come forward. They can just say, I'd like to be there on that particular day. And as far as we can do it, we all work it. So it works out for the parents. And so you, you're engaging with the parents. You're making, taking the pressure away from them. You're taking the pressure off the kids because they know they're not going to be expected to win. I don't care if they win. It's nice if they win, but that's not what it's about. At the end of the day, it's about a group of kids growing up together, becoming better players. When you start to get I don't know, 14, 15, 16, then obviously we will start to worry a bit more about the result. But at the moment, it's about finishing the season with more players than we started with and them all being good mates. What is the reaction of the parents? They're great. I've got a really nice bunch of parents. <laughs> I, know, I know that's a bit of a hot topic in, in some clubs and some age groups. Um, but I've, I think it's because I've always been open with them. And it's always a case of, it's not always going to look like rugby, but my aim is this. And they've seen that year on year, we'll go to the festivals, we'll have a great time, win or lose. You know, the kids enjoy themselves. It's all high fives at the end of it. It's all smiles at the end of it. And we just get on and we have a great time. And I, I just really enjoy being there with the kids and enjoying that with them. I mean, it's not a case of standing there, go on, line up, do this, do that, do the other. It's just great to stand and watch them play. All those things we've worked on in the previous weeks, let them get out there, let them run around like crazy frogs and have some <laughs> fun. Um, but you can see that, that the, the teamwork is building, the structure's there, they help each other out or talk to each other, silent huddles, all this kind of stuff. It's, it's really, really good to watch. It's it, sorry, a silent huddle? Sorry, silent huddle, um, where you just, uh, like kids, where you go, 10 seconds, sort of eight cells, and they'll go and have a chat. Sometimes we give them longer than that, but it's, okay, so what could you do better? Don't tell me, go and tell yourselves, and they'll just sort of have a quick chat amongst themselves, and we'll bring them back in, okay, what are you going to do? Right, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and we're going to try and do this, and they sort of solve the problems themselves. Right, and uh, they don't always come up with uh, good answers, they might come up with rubbish answers. So what happens if they come up with something which is, completely useless like uh, the way we're going to improve is if or we re- all receive ice cream at the end of the the session <laughs> what, that, what happens if they come up with a or maybe you've got them so well trained that they don't do that they don't tend to do that i think because over the years because i've I mean some of these kids I mean, matthew i've been coaching there seven years so i've been coaching a lot of these kids in my age group for seven years as well and they all we've got a very good relationship and when i sort of ask the question they know it's generally about the performance they know it's about the game in hand and they just they want to please i think i don't know do they want to please me as much as i want to please them possibly <laughs> i said well, no, that's not that's not that <laughs> well that's not that's never a bad thing and no. i've had uh, some um kevin bowering who was my early mentor and um lots of coaches will know the name because he's mm been extremely helpful at the top end of the game, once said that he wants players who'd run through brick walls for him. And I was always interested by that because really that then says that the players, they don't necessarily want to put their lives on the line for you, but they do respect what you're saying. Now, where, where does that come from? Does that come from years of just small interventions or does it come from the rousing speech at the start of the season? And it sounds like to me it's, Small interventions all the time. So, yeah. it, it, I mean, coaches listening in will probably be thinking, 
Oh, every week it's gone like a dream. You've got it right all the time. But I, I know after speaking to you, I know that you've had days when things haven't quite gone right. So can you give me examples of things which haven't gone quite right that you've done and then how you've recovered them? Uh, or have you got it right all the time? <laughs> yeah, perfect. And, and that's perfect. the end of that's it because no that's one wants it, to listen to you because you're, you're too perfect. And, uh, no one likes I think it's just, you, you've just got to be honest with yourselves. I mean, the, the, the good thing I say, the good thing about festivals is you get to watch the kids put everything into the practice that you've been working on. The other good thing is you can stand there and say, I'm actually, we're a bit slow into the ruck or this isn't quite working. Um, so and so, um, Billy needs to work on his tackle. He's not getting quite low enough. He's, and there's all these sort of little things you can spot, which you can make notes on, which you can then bring back into it. But it's it's that just that there's little interventions all the time. It's just a little very keen on um, the praise in the moment. At the moment, you know, it's don't 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 wait till half time to come in and say, yeah, great one, Johnny, great tackle, Billy, because they're not going to remember what they did. Mm. It's five minutes ago. They've played loads of rugby since then. Um, but if you're constantly, you know, great tackle, Freddie, great tackle, Billy, great tackle, Johnny. Great pass, lovely hands, lovely, well spotted on the space. All those sort of little comments we're just throwing back at them as they've made a nice pass and their teammates caught it and run on to score a try. And they can hear you saying, great pass. It's just that reinforcement all the time. And I think that's that's vital because I mean, we've done it several times as well. But I've actually called the player over. They've done something on the pitch and I've actually called them over. And sometimes you sort of see the parents look like, what's he going to do? And it's just to give them a high five because mm-hmm. they've just done an amazing run or they and one festival we went to, one of the kids literally chased three quarters of the length of the pitch and made a try saving tackle. And if he didn't deserve a high five after that, I don't know who did. <laughs> you know, it was a bit like the Nolly Waterman, you know, yeah. she just tracked back, tracked back, tracked back and, and made that tackle. But that's, it's just that reinforcement. And it's just, I think that helps the rest of the players as well. Because if they see, oh, that was really good. So when it's my chance, I'm going to try and do it as well. And mm. it kind of make everybody kind of lift their performance maybe for each other. Okay, I like I like that, and uh, I'm a big big fan of doing that. Do a lot more now than I, I ever used to. Uh, that, because... That's that's probably the biggest change in my coaching, to be honest. Um, I think the the old ask, tell, tell ratio has rotated quite significantly. There's a lot mm. less telling. There's a lot more asking, little bits of selling, but it's very much that not coaching during the games, just the praise works really well for me. And so I'm not trying to uh, do you down here, Andy, uh, but I, I am. Uh, is this one of the uncomfortable ones? Well, it is going to be. Well, well, it's when you've come away from a training session and I think all coaches go through it and you think that didn't work. And you yeah. are trying, yeah. you're reflecting on it. I think we've all been through it. What are your ways out of it? Because obviously you've had success. You're very positive about coaching and you've, you've come out the other side. What what sort of things help you come out the other side and quickly? Um, YouTube. Right. Is, <laughs> uh, and other coaches. I mean, there's we've got a, I've got a great group of coaches um, at the club and we've got I don't know how many WhatsApp groups I'm members of, but just sort of generally pinging messages there. So yeah, this didn't quite go right today. This was a little bit frustrating. It might be to somebody in an older age group who's already been through it. It might be just to somebody that I get on with really well. Uh, it might even be, I mean, other coaches, other clubs that I just message on Twitter. You know, it might just be something to them. Um, but I think it's just that I didn't quite get that. 
what is it? I mean, there's there's so many good videos on YouTube, all like the, the keep your boots on stuff and the, mm. the game changes, all that kind of stuff. Just have a look at it and think, right, I was trying to create space, trying to get the kids to create space. How could I do it? And you look through a few videos, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I mean, Jack Patterson, the, the Wizard Touch video, I think that's brilliant. It's mm. absolutely brilliant where they, they get the, the two teams um, allocate a wizard to either side and that player can then call out an opponent's name who has to hit the deck until the ball's past them. I mean, that was hilarious the first time I did it with our tens because one of the lads who is a very, very good tackler is one of the fastest kids we've got. He was out on the wing. He was actually nowhere near the ball, but they all shouted his name because they wanted him on the floor. <laughs> and he was laughing after a while. He was laughing, oh, why do you keep shouting my name? I thought, well, that's a sign of respect as to what a good player you are. Um, and it's just it's just looking for things things like that, looking for other options, different things. I do sometimes go back through my old coaching manual as well and sort of look at notes. Sometimes I've made notes in there as to um, session plans that I might have done in the past. That what could I sort of gain, glean from something from sort of three years ago when I was trying to do a particular like alignment, defensive line alignment? Maybe I might go back and say, oh yeah yeah that worked really well back then. Let's try that again, but do I need to make it different now we're under 10s? So sometimes when I'm helping the under 16s or some of the other the girls' age groups and stuff like that, how can I adapt that to be relevant to the group that I'm working with at the time? And I, I find that really positive for myself because it's kind of just that don't sit there, don't stew on it, don't worry about it. And then when you're driving to the next session, think, oh, how am I going to fix that? It's sort of in the moment, even when you're driving home. And I'll chat to my lad and say, that didn't quite work. What can we do better? What do you think we could do better to, to make it better next week? And, you know, kids are honest. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, delightfully, they are honest. <laughs> I think that's a, the great thing is uh, social media allows us to share. And there are lots of coaches out there who will certainly jump in with their two penneth on what they think you should change and how you should change it. And sometimes quite aggressively as well. And But that's yeah. not necessarily... Yeah. Uh, a bad thing because uh, sometimes on, brutal honesty is is a good thing, and not every sometimes, coach will agree with. Uh, sometimes, you. sometimes brutal passion and aggression can is is just passion. Yeah, that's right. It's something they truly believe in. It's something that's worked really well for them. And like, why why are you not getting this? This is how it works for me. But if you've only got 140 characters to get that message across, <laughs> <laughs> it can be a bit short sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think you're on old Twitter now because I think it's gone up a few. Uh, I think you need to uh, upgrade. I your, need to lengthen my messages. Yeah, that's right. You, you didn't know. You didn't know that Twitter. You can uh, put. Well, anyway, let's let's not break that because uh, uh, short messages are good. So I, I wanted to just explore this idea of sharing because lots of coaches feel a bit nervous about sharing what they do well because yeah. maybe they feel embarrassed if it's gone well, um, and sometimes. You see a lot of coaches sharing stuff because it's confirmation bias. Oh, we did this and it worked beautifully. But in the end, really, they're just making sure that everyone knows they're still on the right coaching page. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how do you think um, a nervous coach could open up? What, what sort of things could they be asking? I think it's just it's being honest, really, um, and having a, if they've got a relationship I don't know, it depends on if it's somebody within the club, then you can almost tell that they're struggling a little bit with certain elements. Uh, I did the developing coaches and match officials, CPD recently, 
which is really good for helping you sort of spot the body language and you can start to see that the coaches are very comfortable with the way things are going and so even though I'm working with my kids while they're playing the game I might spot another coach over in another corner and think he's not very happy what's going on there mm. and just have a just have a chat with them. I say, are you okay you know, everything okay and very often oh you know I'm trying to do this and it's not working but it's having that relationship if you've got that relationship it's quite easy for them just to say actually this is I'm struggling with this but I think it's just that simple little question just that approach of is there a problem mm. because because very I, when I first started the club I mean no no detriment to any of the, the guys at the club I, I would never uh, want a bad mouth a volunteer but when I first started at the club even some of our club coaches didn't talk to me so now the fact that we've got this sort of sharing platform and and we're very happy to talk to each other whether it's on social media whether it's on phone whether it's on whatsapp emails or whatever sort of sharing this information around I think it's a really positive move and there's so many coaches now that I glean information from and I share information with never met 99% of them Hmm. yeah I could I could have sat next to them at the kids first conference last year and I would have no idea but we could well have shared a session plan or he could have helped me work on how do I get the kids to actually to maul properly or whatever it might be but I think it's that kind of good platform and just just be I think people just need to be open and I think there's a lot more of that now there's no there's not so much of the well I've got my coaching badge and I'm gonna puff my chest and and I'm really good I think we're all I, I don't want to use the comfortable being uncomfortable phrase because that's kind of that's almost old school again um it, it's just that being comfortable I don't know it'll be comfortable being vulnerable yeah I think that sounds good a good way of thinking about it and if you're running a kids team it's probably easier to do that if you're running a first 15 uh for a school side when you're expected to be the bee's knees and create winning teams i think it is more difficult uh yeah. so yeah, kids coaches should should feel open and they should want to ask questions and that's that's how we learn and uh be open to change uh, though they've got to recognize that they've got to be their own coach they've got to be their own person as opposed to trying to fit the mold and come around and you know wear the wear the funny gear and look apart <laughs> you've got you've got to be you've got to be your own your own coach uh, Definitely. Definitely. and we we see in the in the six nations that uh, all the six nations coaches are very different in in the way they they approach though obviously there are some aspects which are the same whichever coach they are and i think that's that's important and yeah, uh, it's helpful, helpful for teams now i'm going to go back a couple of questions here uh, to very much at the start um, and again just focus again on the language okay. and um, there's difficulty that when we use things uh, we use praise that it becomes white noise and all they hear is great, great, great. What what would you suggest in terms of praise, which makes a real difference when you're giving it? Well, I think it's, as you say, if you say, oh, good work, great hands, things like that, it's it, it just definitely becomes that white noise. But if you can say, lovely pass, Johnny, I think if you can actually be a bit more specific about the skill, Mm-hmm. obviously not sentences they only need to sort of be two three words but again if you could say lovely hands great pass beautiful tackle um but and then add their name onto the end of it mm-hmm. then you're personalizing it and straight away they're going to pick that out and so if you can say 
great tackle, Matthew, lovely pass, Billy, you know, all these kind of things, then they're going to, even if they hear one in five, that's 20% more than they would have heard before. Yeah. Um, and I think it's quite important just to, to, to itemise it as well and not to, you, you see sometimes coaches when when the game's going on they're stood in the middle watching and it's going around so I think it's important that you keep moving as well because if you're just stood in the middle then there may only be four kids that can hear you yeah. so if you keep moving about, A, when you're moving around you're going to see a different model of the game that's going on you might see that actually what you thought was quite a, a good attacking line is actually very very flat and needs to be steeper Um and there's elements of the game of that that you might see. Uh, but then you're also, you're getting closer to Billy out on the wing who might not touch the ball for a while. And while you're out there saying, you okay, Billy? Oh, yeah, my hands are cold. Oh, do you want to go and grab your gloves then quickly? That might be why he's not catching the ball because his hands are mm. cold. Little things like that. But if you don't keep moving around and keep talking to them all, just saying something, just a couple of words. You know, how's it going? Well, great. So I love that. Love what you just did there. Those little, little comments all the time. Um, and that's what really gets home to them. Just add their name onto the end of it and you can literally see their ears prick up. I think what comes across from what you're just saying is not just the technical stuff, but showing that you care. And a lot I of think coaches... That's a massive part of it. Massive yeah. Part of it. Now, some it comes, comes naturally to some coaches and other coaches find that more difficult because they may be more nervous and they don't necessarily want to show their vulnerability in front yeah. of other kids. And I'd agree. It, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not easy. Well, no, Andy, not at all. I... Uh, covered quite a few different subjects and i know we're going to be doing a part two but that was that was great uh, definitely a part two because i've only got halfway through the questions and, uh, <laughs> right at the start you warned me uh, before we came on that uh, you did an hour when you're supposed to do a half an hour session so yeah you, you, you can ask, ask the age group up from mine uh, every year at the end of season awards when i'm meant to have a 30 minute slot they never get on stage on time <laughs> right so we've now picked up a couple of uh, gleaned a couple of important pieces of information uh when there's volunteering to be done look out for your wife and the yeah, second thing, <laughs> that's right and if there's a speech to be done get to the bar before you start uh, that's start the talking. one <laughs> and it's great thank you very much for your time uh this evening oh, thank it's you, been, thank you. Um, yeah well uh, it's great to hear it uh from uh, hear what you're doing at the level that you're doing it because coaches need to know that these things don't just have to work with uh, the top players. They can work with all the players across all the age groups. And again, for me, the key is showing you care and having the right, the right sense of what you want at the end of it. And if it turns into a good game of rugby, that's fantastic. If you've got more players by the end of the season than when you started, well, that's even better. Even better, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, so, great, Andy. Go on, sorry. So, I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much. Thanks again for asking me to be on. It's, it's been great for me because I've gone back and sort of revisited a lot of the key moments through the years. Hmm. Um, or the sort of almost like the when the light bulbs have gone off through my coaching career. And it's been great. I've even gone back and revisited that crazy day of myself with 46 under sixes. Oh. <laughs> well, crazy day and under sixes is uh, our two uh, sentences which go together. Sixed into it, and I'm I'm amazed you're still uh, still smiling. Well, I'm assuming you're smiling. Uh, I'm definitely smiling. Definitely smiling. Good. Right. Cheers, Andy. Thank you very much for that, and thank you everyone for listening in. 
Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to RugbyCoachWeekly.net and click on the Blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.